In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Today is my first official visit uh, with you. I am very excited to share the reflection of this day, the second Sunday of Lent. My name is Hector Monterroso, uh, and I am Bishop Assistant in the Diocese of Texas. I was born in Guatemala, but I am also Costa Rican, as I served as a Diocesan Bishop in Costa Rica for 14 years before moving to Texas. I always wanted to be a priest, but in Guatemala, the country where I was born, there was no seminary to be ordained a priest. To be ordained a priest, was, it was necessary to find a seminary in another country. I did not have that opportunity. So I took a different path. I went to college and I get my degree as a mechanical of precision, like a mechanical engineer. While I was working in a rum distillery company, the Diocese of Guatemala opened a seminary I'm aimed mainly at professional people working full-time. That was my chance. The seminary, the seminary ran from 6 p.m. through to 10 p.m. every day for four years. So that was my opportunity to receive my theological formation. It was difficult because every day from 7 to 6 p.m. I worked in that company and from 6 p.m. to 10 at night attending seminary. But I was young and I had the chance to, to attend that school. Um, when I finished seminary, and while I was still working in the distillery company, the bishop called me and invited me to a meeting. At the meeting, the bishop told me, I am developing a new missionary strategy. We will plant new churches where we do not have Episcopal churches and no Episcopalians. You will be the first person doing this ministry. He said, this is my invitation to you, if you want to accept it. Quit your job, move to this city, rent a house with enough size that you can live in and at the same time offer the possibility of functioning as a chapel when you have a community of faith. And most importantly, God will be with you, the bishop said. I always dreamed to being a priest, of being a priest, although I imagined other conditions. The bishop's invitation was the answer to my prayers to become a priest. That invitation and decision radically changed my life. I had to give up my profession 
my job, my comfort, and in a way, my family. I am sure that God used that bishop to invite me to, to make a radical decision. Now I consider, I consider it the best decision I have made in my life. In the Gospel of St. Mark, we heard, we heard the invitation of Jesus. If anyone to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. This invitation is still latent. Jesus is always taking the initiative to seek, find, and invite us to walk with him, follow in his footsteps, involve ourselves in his primary mission actively, building the kingdom of God. This invitation is risky for those who accept it. It is not something simple. Getting Jesus' invitation involves significant challenges and radical change. This change implies giving up control of our own life and shaping it according to God's fundamental principles established in the Holy Scriptures and applied in the person of Jesus. As St. Paul says, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave, and gave himself for me. Peter received this invitation, which he accepted immediately, left his nets, and became a fisher of men. Peter's life was transformed radically, and almost without realizing it, he became one of the pillars of Jesus' movement. Now Peter finds himself in a difficult situation. His teacher and leader, the source of his inspiration and hope, announced his death. In all frankness, Jesus talks about his future, and his words raise Peter's deep, deepest fears. If Jesus dies, the movement and project will not be completed. Peter's humanity and despair do not allow him to see more deeply. He cannot know that Jesus is announcing something more powerful than the end of life. He declares the victory over death, therefore the beginning of the kingdom of God. Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. I feel empathy with Peter. I, like him, feel desperate and disappointed when I see that injustice, inequality, discrimination, and other evils spread and take over our society. And I am tempted to think that the establishment of the kingdom of God is far from being a reality. When that happens, immediately remember that my call and my commitment are to trust God and his mercy. 
I understand that, like me, many people have received the invitation of Jesus. When all the disciples act together, we can repeat the miracles that Jesus did. We can heal the sick, feed the hungry, free the captives, cast out unclean spirits, and transform our society. Also, I'm inspired by the transformative actions that our churches undertake to face difficult situations and disasters that affects us. Many of you take to the streets to distribute food, food, water, donate blood, visit the sick virtually, and show God's love through service. These actions are clear signs that the kingdom of God has come near. And the project of Jesus is in a continuing process. Now we are going through difficult times. Times that we could never imagine. A pandemic that at first seemed like a distant disease has turned into a global disaster. Also, we experience social despair, which has manifested itself through violent acts that threaten our peaceful coexistence. Our most essential principles, freedom, dialogue, peace, respect for human rights, work, and a better quality of life are being undermined by mixed feelings. Today we are called to pray and incline our ears to hear God's voice and courageously and actively do God's will. The kingdom of God is based on small acts of faith in each one of us. These seemingly small individual acts become transformative actions when practiced at the community level. And their strength is such that seemingly unattainable events are possible. So when we pray, we repent, we forgive, and we practice reconciliation, we establish the kingdom of God together. Today, the Lord called us to build his kingdom, however difficult it may seem. Today, we are going to celebrate reception in this church. And uh, that is an excitement moment in time. Let me uh, share with you a little more about that. Today we are going to receive uh, four uh, new members of the church through, through reception. And, uh, and that is important for our church, our community, uh, the diocese, and the body of Christ. And uh, in the Episcopal Church, numbers are very important. Numbers are very important. Uh, recently I signed the books, checking all the numbers uh, in the parish and especially the numbers we are going to assign you as a new members of this parish and the Episcopal Church. Uh, and we have numbers. I don't know if you, if you know your number in the Episcopal Church. No? Do, do you remember your number? No, right? Uh, I have a number. <laughs> yeah, I, am, I, I have a number. You know, as, a, as bishop, 
When I was consecrated in Central America, in, in Costa Rica, I received my number. And my number in, in Central America as bishop is number two. I am the bishop number two consecrated in the province of Central America. It's a new province. That is the reason why I am number two. But when I moved to the Episcopal Church three years ago, uh, here, I, I changed my number because the Episcopal Church had more history, more traditions, and more bishops. And now my number is 1105. Yeah, I passed from 2 to 1105. Yeah. And uh, this is my number now. And, uh, but all of us, we have numbers, and the numbers are important because we can count. And uh, recently we celebrated our council, and according with our numbers, we are in the Episcopal Diocese of Texas, around 75,000 members. Yeah, this is a good number. But we are not only or just 75,000. When we make a connection, with the rest of the dioceses in the Episcopal Church, we can count a million and a half. Uh, if, we can, if we count more in Latin America, for instance, the churches in Latin America, we can add one more million. Or if, if, we, if we count people in England or United Kingdom and Africa, we can count 85 million. This is our number. We are 85 million Episcopalians or Anglicans around the world. And you are going to get your number today. I'm not sure if you are going to have 85 million, one, or two or three, but you are going to get your number. Maybe 300 some. Yeah? What is your number, Derek? As a rector, as rector here in the, in the parish. And the 38th rector of St. Andrews. The 38th. Yeah, a lot of history. I encourage you to look the books in the church and find your number. <laughs> you, you, may get, you, you may get your number in some, in some way. Uh, but the numbers are important for one reason. And the reason is because when we act together, we can do many different things and we can create a big impact in the society we are living. Maybe I told you, or I don't remember, but my father was a professional soccer player. I play soccer, and my, and my son plays soccer. And when I have time, I watch soccer games. And the most important tournament for the people who love soccer is the World Cup every four years. The last one occurred in Russia. And for Latin Americans, the most important and exciting moment in that World Cup happened when Mexico scored a goal to Germany. 70, 75,000 people, Mexicans, were, were gathered together in the soccer, the main and most important public, public park in Mexico City. 75,000, they, they were there looking in big screens 
that match. And when Mexico scored the goal to Germany, the Mexicans had to jump together, celebrate. And you know what happened? They create an earthquake, very small, but measurable. They literally moved the globe. 75,000 people jumping together, moved the globe. Can you imagine how many actions we can do if 85 million Episcopal, Episcopalians, Anglicans, we, when we work together, we can create a big impact in this world. And this is our call. The four of you who are going to be received this morning, and the rest of the people, the rest of the members of this church and the Anglican community, we are called to do small things. And through that small things, we can make a big difference and transform our society and create a big impact.